Hi, Church. Hi, SIVKL. Hi, everybody. Uh, it's such an honor to bring the Word of God into uh, all our homes, into all our hearts today. I am truly excited. I'm truly excited because, hey, you know, we've gone through the book of Jude, um, and it has been a very power-packed uh, uh, book to study, and I, I, it has really impacted me, you know. Um, I have personally never truly studied the book of Jude, even though I've read it a few times. And the more I studied the book of Jude, the more I realized that every single word and sentence in the book of Jude can be a sermon in itself. Uh, do you agree with me? Because I, I certainly feel that in this last portion of Jude, every single word could be a sermon in itself. So it is, it is my honor to bring, um, the, to close the book of Jude up uh, with, the with the verses 20 to 25. So if you have your Bibles up or if you, the scripture is going to come up on the screen, but I do want to invite all of you to read along with me because reading scripture will, will just leave an impression on our hearts and the Holy Spirit will come and speak to us. Amen. So uh, please, I know you're at home, but read it aloud with me. Are we ready? Are we ready? Jude chapter 1, FYI, the only chapter, chapter 1, uh, verses 20 to 25. Here we go. But you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy, mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. The doxology, verse 24. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forevermore. Amen. With this powerful section, okay, let me just open with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for your word, for such a powerful word. To Him be all glory. To you be all majesty and power and dominion and authority, Father God. So this morning, today, I pray, Father God, we open up our hearts to your word, to let in the King of glory, to let in the King of majesty, to let in the King of authority into our hearts, Father God. Speak to us, we pray. Speak to us and change our lives. Change our lives to be more like you. So we give you permission, Father God. We humble ourselves before you, Lord Jesus, and we pray that you saturate our homes today with the word of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You know, this last portion um, um, took me a long while to craft this sermon. Why? Because I was, not, I was not sure how to fit so much into this. So there are one or two things that are really interesting that I may miss out. Uh, so I have to say my apologies because I have to keep the main thing, the, the most exciting thing um, today. And today I entitled my sermon, Will You Stand or Fall? Will You Stand or Fall? fall. You understand why I choose the word stand, even though you can't find it here, but you will see it in a moment's uh, notice. You know, when, when you hear the word stand, and every time I mention stand from here henceforth, I want you to imagine that you are in, you are in like a wrestling match. You're in a battle. You're in a war. Uh, in the olden times, nowadays, days, you know, we've got guns and everything, um, but I guess it also applies. But if you're in a war with swords and an armor and a shield, and when you stand in a battlefield, 
you face your opponent, you face your enemy, you have a chance of winning. But how many of us know that when we fall, when we're fighting with someone, when we're jostling, when we're wrestling, even with guns, the moment we fall means we're dead. The moment we fall, it means we've stumbled. The moment we fall, it means we've lost the battle. So that is, that is the crux. And I want us to keep that in mind. Will you stand or fall? I have three points today. The first point being this, keep yourselves in God's love. Keep yourselves in God's love. Where did I get that from? I want to read it for you one more time. It says here, but you, dear friends, build yourself up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep yourselves in God's love. What does that mean? What does keep yourself in God's love mean? How do we keep ourselves? You know, very interestingly, uh, um, Jude uses the word keep three times in, in this short book. It's, the first time is mentioned right at the very beginning, right? Um, it is in verse one. Let me read it for you. Uh, to those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. It means that you are kept by Him and you are also called to keep yourself in Jesus Christ. The word keep in the Greek means tereo. Tereo means to watch, to have watchful care. You see, we are already in Jesus Christ. The moment you believe in Him, the moment you repent of your sins, the moment you confess that Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, He has kept you. But just because Jesus has kept you, doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want in this life, because Scripture tells us we also need to keep ourselves in His love, keep ourselves in His presence. We need to watch our lives. We need to watch from not going astray. We need to watch from not doing any ungodly things and keep Himself, keep ourselves in His presence. Now, the most important question here is how? How do we keep ourselves in God's love? You know, the book of Jude, or at least in the whole 2021, we, we as IBKL, have been uh, uh, focusing in the pulpit on the end times. It, it, the spirit of the end times have proper, probably many purpose, but if I could say one main purpose, it is to rob you of your salvation. It is to rob you of your meaning, rob you of your purpose in your life, to leave you ineffective, to leave you meaningless, to leave you purposelessness, and of course, hopefully, to rib you, rob you of your salvation. And, and the Bible tells us, keep yourselves in God's love. But how? Number one, verse 20 tells us how. It's very interesting. It says, build yourself up in your most holy faith. How do we keep ourselves in God's love? Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Did you ask me, what does that mean? What does build yourself up in your most holy faith means? In this book of Jude, um, there is two cross-references to this portion of Scripture. And to understand it more clearly, can I read those cross-references for you? The first cross-reference cross is found in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1, verses 5 onwards. And, and it says here, <clears throat> Peter says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith. For this very reason, build yourself up in your faith. Make every effort to your faith, to add to your faith goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Verse 8 is important. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we build ourselves up? What are we building? We are building up our godly character in Jesus Christ. That's what we're building. 
How do we build that? Of course, on the Word of God, but hey, it is our character that shows. What is your character today? Do we have goodness? Do we have knowledge of Jesus Christ? Do we have self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness? Do we have love? Because these are the yardsticks to measure whether we are building ourselves up in Jesus Christ. That if we love, we continuously grow in our love year by year. When we have brotherly kindness and perseverance, we persevere better and better year by year and by year. Godly character is one of the main yardsticks that we know we are building ourselves up. We are finishing this complete, beautiful architecture that is our lives. You know, when Jesus Christ looked at your life, He looked, when He created you, when He breathed life into you, He created you as a beautiful canvas. Imagine a beautiful painting. Or in this modern world, imagine yourself to be a beautiful NFT, if you know what I'm, if you know what I'm talking about, right? You are a beautiful canvas and an art piece. But it's an incomplete. You're not finished yet. So every year, you, you, you sketch in maybe your face, maybe the outline, then you color in your hair, then maybe you color in your clothes, then maybe you add one eye, another eye, a nose, a mouth, and at the end of it all, it becomes a beautiful canvas of you, of your life, reflecting the image of God. Now that is godly character, and God is asking you, build it year upon year. You're, an, you're not a finished product yet. You're not a finished product yet, you build it. Why do we build? Why do we build? Because it says here, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. The word keep is used here again. These godly character will keep us in God's love from being ineffective. Just by this verse alone, are you aware that there are effective and ineffective Christians? Are you aware that we can be unproductive or we could be productive Christians? Just by this verse alone. And the only, don't, don't you want to be effective? Well, I do. Don't we want to be productive in the work of our hands? I know I do. And the only way we can be effective and productive is to keep ourselves in God. There is another portion of scripture that I draw from besides godly character. It's, it's found in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 onwards says, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. Note what the, the book of Corinthians says. Each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man built on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Now, this is an important portion of Scripture. Why do I say that? You know, when we're building our lives in God's love, when we're building ourselves in God's holy faith, when we read the Word of God, that's building our lives. When we pray, that's building our lives. When we mix around with, with godly uh, community, godly church brothers and sisters, that's building our lives and building community. But when we build character, that's also building our lives. And there is a very important aspect about building the canvas, the art piece, the image of God that is us. The important factor is found here, that God will put the building or the art piece to 
the test. We would all would need to go through fire in order to test the quality of it. It says here, it will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. That's brilliant. You know, that last year or this year, many of us, or should I say, all of us, we're going through fire, are we not? All of us in our different ways, all of us in our different mannerisms and different seasons and different uh, uh, ways we're going through the fire. For some of us, it could be finance. For some of us, it could be faith. Uh, for some of us, it could be uh, uh, health. For some of us, it could be family. But I assure you, every single one of us is going through the fire. If you're a single person, you may be lonely. If you're a working person, you may be depressed. If you're a family person, you may be stressed. If you're a working person, you may be torn in a million pieces, juggling work and everything else. We're all going through the fire. And if you're a Christian, maybe your faith is under fire. But I want to encourage you today. The fire of your life, whatever you're going through, is not to burn and to destroy you. The fire of your life, it is to test the quality of you. God wants you to know the quality of you. Don't you want to know whether I'm worth it, whether I'm building the right product, whether I'm building the right building, whether I'm painting the right art piece? I want to know. And I always pray, God, will you burn away? Will you shed off the ungodly character? And will you reveal and show me and build my godly character to be more like you? Do you know <clears throat> that in this verse, that it says when the fire burns the building, the only thing left standing, it's quality building, quality material, a building that is built on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. When the fire has burnt, and when you've gone through suffering, when you've gone through hard times, when you've gone through persecution, it says implicitly, you stand. You stand after the fire has wilted away. You don't crumble and fall. You don't turn to ashes. You stand with your head held high, knowing that you have done the right thing by building yourself up in your most holy faith. My prayer is that we can all stand after this whole season of hardship in our lives. Will you stand or will you fall? That's the first way we build ourselves up. There is a second way on how we build ourselves up, you know, uh, 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 keep ourselves in God's love. The second way is this, <clears throat> that we pray in the Holy Spirit. The second way in keeping ourselves in God's love is that we pray in the Holy Spirit. This has another cross-reference. The cross-reference I take is from Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 <clears throat> says here, verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. And then verse 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. It says here again, stand. Why? Why do we keep ourselves in God's love? Because the enemy is always out prowling to devour you, always out to rob your purpose, to rob your salvation from you. And God is saying, you, we need to fight. We need to pray. We need to pray not just in our mouth, but pray in the spirit. Because when we pray and when we fight back in the spirit, we stand. And after all these things, 
we still stand. You see, in the end times, everything in this world will want to come up against us to destroy us, as I've just already said. And I'm, my prayer for us all today is, when, is that we keep ourselves in God's love so that we can stand. I would love to see not just me standing, but my brother standing next to me, but my sister standing next to me, but my family standing next to me, but my friends standing next to me, that you and I, we are standing together, waiting in mercy for God's mercy to show us, uh, to be given to us at the end of the judgment day. Brothers and sisters, will we keep ourselves in God's love? Will we build ourselves up in the most holy faith? Will we pray? Will we build our character? So I want to encourage you, if you're going through a hard time in this whole season, number one, God is building our character. God wants to reveal what is ungodly within us. He's building our character. And number two, God wants us to pray and fight. You're not alone. Fight so that we can stand and stand together. Will we stand or fall? Number one, in order to stand, we need to keep ourselves in God's love. But number two, God will keep us in His love. God will keep us in His love. Now, where do I get that? I get that from verse 24. Verse 24 reads, oh, it's brilliant. To Him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before His glorious presence without fault and with great joy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to park here and anchor uh, here for a little while because there's really a lot. And I wish I could cover it all. Verse 24 says, God, Jesus Christ, will keep us in His love. You, so we can already see that it is a two-way effect. It's not just Jesus keeping us, keeping us, keeping us, but it's also us actively keeping ourselves, watching out for all, all that would rob us from uh, uh, the, the, the arms of Jesus Christ, but we keep ourselves in God's love. Interestingly enough, the word keep in English is used twice. But actually, if you read this in the Greek, it is very different. You see, the first keep in verse uh, uh, 21 is tereo. It means to watch. But the word keep here have an absolutely different meaning. When Jesus Christ keeps us in God's love, the word keep here is philaso or folaso. Philaso or folaso. It means to guard. It means to keep safe from attack. When God, when Jesus Christ keeps us in His love, He's actually guarding us. He's actually, well, He's also watching out for us, but He's guarding us. He's keeping us safe from all attacks. So I want you to imagine that we keep ourselves in God's love, that we're on the watch, that if anything that will cause us to fall, anything that will cause us to stumble, we keep away. Any ungodly character, we keep it away. And then God is saying, now that you keep yourself in my love, I'm going to guard you from falling. When the enemy comes at you with a broadsword, I'm here with a shield to guard your vanguard, to guard your front, to guard your back. I will keep you. Because truth be told, how much can we as human beings do? It's Jesus Christ, the great glorious Jesus Christ, the all-powerful God that keeps us in His love. And then he goes on to say, to him who is able to keep you, to guard you from, from what? From falling. He wants to guard you from falling. Another word from falling in another translation is stumbling. So you would read it in probably your Bible. Mine is NIV 1984. It says to keep you from falling. That's what God wants to keep you for. Do you know it's such a shame that if we run a race, that if we, if we run this race of faith, 
And just before the end of the race, when we're going to touch uh, 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 the goal, we stumble and fall, and we never finish the race. Wouldn't that be a shame? And what are we running the race for? And God says, my son, my daughter, don't worry. You run the race, but I will keep you from falling. I will never let your feet fall. I will keep you from stumbling, and I will hold you up, and I'll push you forward, and I'll push you forward, and I'll push you forward. You know, the word fall and stumbling in the Greek is a, is a long word. I'm not going to pronounce it, so it's in the lower third. But it means, and it's used, uh, um, I think only once in the New Testament. But in Greek, they use it like a horse that stumbles. Imagine if you're a horse rider. I'm not a horse rider, so I may not understand this analogy. But if you're riding a horse, and if your horse stumble and fall, you would fall with the horse, and the chances are you would break your neck. So you don't want your horse to stumble. You want your horse to be sure-footed, don't you? Just like the race. You want to finish that race. You don't want to ride the horse, and then the horse stumbles, and then you fall, and you break your neck. And God says, I will keep you from stumbling. But a better one uh, is used. It says, God says, the word is used to make sure a man does not commit a moral lapse, does not commit a moral mistake, a moral error. And God says, when you keep yourself in my love and when you continuously pray and pray and keep yourself in my presence and keep yourself in my spirit and be with me in relationship and commune with me and talk with me and communicate with me, I will keep you from making a grave moral mistake. You see, in the end times, we have read in Revelation, in Jude, we have read in all the books and upcomingly Zechariah, we know that there will be evil in this world. We know that there will be corruption in this world and the world would want to corrupt us. But God says, I will keep you from making a moral lapse if you keep yourself in His love. He'll keep you from stumbling. But it doesn't end there. That's the brilliance of Jude's doxology. That's the that's the brilliance of it. It does not say, and Jesus Christ, will, He's able to keep you, to guard you from falling. Full stop. End of story. Next book, please. No. He will keep you from falling to present you. It's brilliant. The word present, very interestingly, in the Greek, this one I can pronounce, it's histemi. Histemi means to stand. See, Jesus Christ will present you. The word to stand or the word to present is to establish and to set your foot. To set your foot here. To establish you as a person and a child of God here. He will make you stand. He will not make, he, you don't need to kneel. You don't fall. You don't sit down, but you stand. And we all know when we stand before somebody, let alone a king, we stand with our head held high, with our dignity intact, with our honour intact, no shame. We don't have to cover our face. We don't have to hide ourselves. We can stand with honour, with dignity. And Jesus Christ says, I want to present you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I would love it. I, would, I long for the day where Jesus Christ said to me, Son, I present you, Isaac Ling, before God our Father. Do you know what it shows me? Do you know if somebody present me or if I present you, it means I'm proud of you. And I want to know that Jesus Christ is proud of me. Don't you want to know that your Savior, your Lord, 
Jesus Christ, He's proud of you. That He will not hide when you show your face. That He will not cover you and, and is ashamed of you and says, no, 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 please don't see this guy. I'm ashamed. No. He's proud of you. And He says, stand in the court of the King. I would long for that day. I know my spirit longs for the day. I know my spirit longs to hear that my Father in heaven is proud of me. Do you long for the same thing? And the best part, it doesn't stop here. See, Jesus Christ will keep you. He will guard you from stumbling. He will guard you from falling. And then He will make you stand in God's presence before His glorious presence without fault and great joy. He will make you stand not so that you have to defend yourself, not so that you have to tell an account of your life and then convince the God our Father that you are, you are deserving of heaven. No. He makes you stand faultless before the throne, blameless before the throne. The Greek blameless is amomos. Amomos is interesting. It says a sacrifice without blemish. Without blemish. You know, in Romans 12, we all know that our lives were called to be a living sacrifice. We're called to be a living sacrifice before the King. But our sacrifice, well, I don't know about you, but when I look at my life, I know I'm full of fault. I know I'm a wretched human being. I could see my own life and I could see all my sins laid bare. I don't need you to tell me my sins. Well, I need you to tell me the sins on my blind side. But I also am very aware of my own sins. And I hope that we all are self-aware that we are not perfect, that we are wretched as we are, that our best deeds and works are like filthy rags before the King of Kings. But here God says, I will make you stand blameless and faultless before God. Of all the wrong that you've done in your past, of all the sins that you've done to men, all to God, all the wrongs that you've done now, Jesus Christ says, because of what I've done on that cross, because of my blood that was shed for you, because of my body that was broken for you, you can now stand blameless before the King of kings, before the Lord of lords, with your head held high, knowing, knowing that you are white as snow, knowing that you are cloaked with righteousness, knowing that you have no more shame, no more guilt, no more regret in your life. And it says, with great joy, with a smile on your face. Do we not want that? Do we not want that? You know, when, as we stand, I'm going to read my quote, as you stand, we move from a position of a sinner to a position in a savior. I'll say it again. As we stand, we move from a position of a sinner to a position in a savior. But you need to keep yourself in God's love. You need to keep yourself in God's love. We must not move away from that position back to a sinful state. We must not move away from that position, away from our faith, looking away, but we must keep our position. We must watch from attacks as God guards us from attacks. See the huge difference. When we watch for attacks, we know what's coming. 
and we can keep ourselves in God's love by building up our character and praying in the Spirit. But the attacks may still come. An arrow may still fly. And if it hits you, it will hit you hard. And we may suffer. Then God says, I will guard you. He will be your shield. So if an arrow flies, it will hit God's shield that guards our life. Amen. Number one, keep yourself in God's love. Number two, God keeps you in His love. Point number three, who is this God? Why do we want to keep ourselves in God's love? Why would this God want to keep us in His love? Number three, who is our God? Verse 25 explains who this God is, and it ends the book of Jude this way. It's amazing. To the only God our Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority. This translation doesn't say wise, but I think it's the KJV. It says, to the only wise God. Number one, who is our God? Here's time for declaration. Our God is a wise God. He is a wise God. In the Greek, it says he is a sophos. He is sophos. He's wise. His plans are beyond our plans. His ways are beyond our ways. He's the God of all knowledge and all wisdom. If you think you're smart, you are nothing compared to God. You are nothing in the presence of God. We are nothing compared to Him. He's the beginning and the end. He was there when the universe was created and He will be there at the end. Who are we but just a speck in the timeline of God? He is the wise God that knows everything, that knows us inside and out. He's not only just wise, He is the God of glory. He's the God that's of dosa. He is the God of absolute glory, who deserves all honor. He deserves all worship. He deserves to be exalted. He deserves that every human being would bow their knees and every tongue will confess that His glory covers the earth, that when His glory comes, all we can do is fall on our face in worship before Him. But not only is He wise, not only is He glorious, He is majestic in power. This is a majestic God. He is a king. Now, none of us, I don't know about you, but I've never been in the court of a king. I would, I would expect that I would have protocols. I would have to dress in a certain way. I would have to walk in the court in a certain way. I would have to address the king in a certain way because this king is kingly in his majesty. But now I'm talking about the God of God, the Lord of lords of all. In his kingly majesty, we can imagine a beautiful throne, a beautiful heaven, a king that is purer than white that is more glittering than gold, that is shinier than the shiniest diamond, that when we see, we have no choice but to be in awe of who He is. My King, my King. But He's not only wise, He's not only glorious, He's not only King in majesty, He is also in power. Power here is kratos. He has strength. Our God is mighty in power. He is the Lord of lords and the Lord of hosts. His angelic mighty army would one day conquer and judge the world and free us from all evil and bad things in this world and all suffering and all hardship and all persecution in this world. He is a God of strength. And we call upon this God of strength, Father God, to give us that strength to keep ourselves in Him. And then it ends here, it says, He has all authority. He has all exousia. He is the right God. If you think that there's one, you want to debate with this God, no, you can't. He is the right God. He will always be right. And He is totally sovereign before Him. 
before us. He is totally sovereign. He is in control of everything. This is the God that will keep us. This is the God, our God, that my God, that I want to say, God, I want to be in your love. I want to be in the presence of a glorious, kingly, majestic, strong, powerful, kratos, exousia God. I want to know your plans, oh God. I submit myself and obey myself to you. Father God, I want to build myself in your love. Who am I that you are mindful of me, that you would give your spirit unto me, that your presence would envelope me? Friends and family, Jude, end this way to say that you have a God of the universe that fights for you. You have a God of your universe that is on your side. You have a God of the universe that loves you dearly, deeply. Who are we to unlove ourselves? Who are we to give up on ourselves? Who are we to give up on life? If you're going through hardships today, if you're going through a hard time, will you cling on to this God of majesty, this God of power, this God of authority, and you say, my hardships is nothing compared to that cross. Lord Jesus, I would follow you and I would carry my cross all the way to the end because I want to finish this race. I want to fight the good fight and I want to be in your presence from now until forevermore. Amen. If that is you, I have two altar calls today. Number one, I want to invite you to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you. His love bled for you. To save us from our sins. To save us so that we can be in the presence of this powerful God. And if you would like to receive Jesus Christ today, or if you would like to renew your commitment to Jesus Christ, if you would like to give yourself to Jesus Christ once again, can you pray this very short prayer with me? I invite you. You repeat the prayer that's going to come up on the screen. Lord Jesus Christ, I have been far from you or I don't know you. But today, I want to know you. Today, I want to build my life in you. Today, I want to know what it means to be in your presence. Today, I want to be in your love. Today, I want you to guard me in your love. Today, I want to keep myself in your love. Father God, I confess, Jesus Christ, that you are my Lord and my Savior. You came to this earth, you died for my sins, you resurrected on the third day, and now I invite you into my life to live with me. I believe in you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer today out loud, would you just fill in your details in the link below because we would love to contact you and pray for you. And secondly, if you're going through a hard time, a really hard time today or this year, I want to invite you into our online prayer altar because we pastors and we leaders will love an opportunity to pray for you so that we can together build our lives, so that we can together pray in the Spirit, so that we can together keep ourselves in 
God's love. Thank you, Father God, that you've called us here today, Father God, to keep ourselves in your love. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are also keeping us in your love. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are the wise, the glorious, the powerful, and all authority belongs to you, our King in majesty. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray, Father God, that everybody listening to this message today will stand and will not fall in this life. We thank you, Lord. All glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.